Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. On today's show, I'm so honored. I tracked this woman down. Uh, we got a chance to be able to meet, but I had heard about her through her mom uh, for quite a bit of time, and she exceeded the expectations that I had, and her mom talked a big game. But when I finally got a chance to meet her, be able to talk to her about her heart, the, the greatest thing about her was how real she was, um, how focused she was. And especially at such an early age, uh, I am seeing that she has so many wisdom, uh, so much wisdom that is beyond her years. Um, I, I was so excited to be able to uh, grab a hold of her, um, because, and have her on the show because it's very seldom that you see a family that is super successful that then has the children who are even more successful. And to be able to see that cross on to the next generation, I think is so incredible. So I'm so uh, happy to be able to have on the show today, Miss Edie Horseman. Oh, Kelly, <laughs> you're going to make me cry. I feel so honored and so humbled to be here. Uh, I have some big shoes to fill, but <laughs> I agree. I, uh, my mom, my family, my parents, um, I feel super grateful to see what they've been able to accomplish and what they've instilled in us, their kids. So. Well, it, like I was saying, it's very, it's very seldom that you see, like, I mean, your parents are absolutely phenomenal people. I want to be your best friend. I want to be your dad's best friend. The first time I met him, he's got a really cool, powerful name in Bracken too. Like, I, I mean, it's a presence. You hear that name. You're like, you sit up straight. It is. And I remember uh, getting a chance. He came in. Now your dad is super handsome. Um, great looking dude, but he came in, he had a jacked up haircut. And I was like, you're too smooth to be jacked up. <laughs> So we did a little adjustment and I tell you, like he is the, I mean, and, and his personality sitting down with him, your mom is a light. She's been a light in she my is. world. We became friends she right is. off the bat. But Edie, the reason why I'm saying this is because most of the time, like I was talking about most of the time when you have people that are that level of people, you meet their kids and you're like, wow, what happened? Like what happened? <laughs> yeah. I mean, these kids no. are, these kids are entitled. They don't work hard. Um, you know, they're, they're just, they're consuming all the crops that they did. And when I met you, mm -hmm. you were planting seeds before you, before we go into this first question, I just want to tell people that, uh, uh, wellness with Edie at wellness with Edie, you're going to find her on Instagram, uh, wellness with Edie.com. Um, she is a, uh, a wellness consultant, an entrepreneur, but honestly, you're just going to want to hang out with Edie. So whatever oh. Edie in the future, <laughs> whatever Edie in the future has available, you're going to want to consume after this time with her. So I just want to say that beforehand, but what are some of the components that help a child of great people take that and almost have it like a relay race and you take it to another level? What are some of those mm -hmm. components? Yeah, that's a great, a great question and a great way to kick off this podcast. Again, thank you so much for having me. Um, I, you know, looking back on my childhood, we as a family spent so much time together and not in the sense of like, you know, we went on, you know, lots of vacations or anything like that. I mean, we, we would take a couple trips during the year and they were always very special, but it was more so what we were doing on a day-to-day -day basis to spend time together. So for example, I can probably count on my hand other than when my mom opened up her first restaurant, the number of times when we did not eat dinner as a family. So that was a huge priority. Um, not again, something elaborate, but just in the sense of like, it was something consistent every day. 
come home from school, we would, um, you know, go play sports, come back. And by that time, dinner would be ready. And when we would sit down as a family, we would talk about our days. What were the highs? What were the lows? What were the the good things? What were the challenging things? So we had such open and honest and transparent conversation. And I think that that really supported um, my parents passing down a lot of their values and morals to us. So I think one of the major components was that family time. I also think that something else looking back on my childhood that was so important was that my parents were so supportive of us um, becoming whoever we wanted to be. My mom still, (laughs) it's so funny because she still says this all the time to me, that the world is your oyster. And she started telling us that when we were very young, just in the sense of whatever we want to accomplish, whatever goals we have, we can get there and we're going to have to work hard, but it's not about being the smartest person in the room. It's about being the hardest working person in the room. And they really instilled that in us growing up. So I think the two, again, major uh, contributors to the people that my siblings and I have become are that that family time that we had um, and also just the ability to, to be whoever we wanted to be. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. Okay. So talk to me about the, the, the hard side of it though, because I mean, I was just talking with my daughter the other day, right? So we live in a, we live in a really cool area, right? Mm -hmm. And we live in Carlsbad, California. It's absolutely beautiful. You know, the sun is shining all the time. Um, people are walking around happy, um, all these things, but my wife or my, my daughter told me about some of the challenges because in those situations, sometimes there's Mm -hmm. pressures to uphold a certain standard. Talk to us a little bit about as a young lady, when you're seeing your mom and dad dote over each other. And I've seen them like them together. They look like they're 15 years old and they just started dating. When you see these kind of things, they're so positive, but sometimes, or I don't know if you felt it, was there Mm -hmm. any pressure in the, the, uh, environments where you were to have to perform at a certain level? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think that that was just, um, internally within our family. I mean, growing up in the Bay area, growing up 10 minutes from Stanford university, you know, anywhere in the Silicon Valley, for the most part, like you're going to feel that pressure. It's 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 almost like a societal, cultural um, pressure here. And in some ways, that's why I love so much living in Denver, Colorado. Um, I love coming back home and I love being here. But the Bay Area has changed a lot. And again, in part why we live in Colorado is because there's a different work-life balance there. But yeah, absolutely. I would say even from a, like a relationship standpoint, I, I always kind of felt nervous. Like I, I I didn't have very many, you know, boyfriends growing up. I had a serious relationship in high school, but even then I was a little bit nervous to bring him home, just knowing that, um, you know, there's some pretty high standards and and expectations, but you know, in, in terms of school and, and, um, you know, academic pressure. I never actually felt that growing up. Um, My parents always wanted us to work hard, but it wasn't necessarily about, you know, they, they never said, Oh, you have to achieve a certain GPA. And I'm so grateful for that. And it's certainly something that I will instill in my children because that grade is just, um, you know, your GPA is just a number. I don't think it's indicative of, your intelligence. It's not indicative of your work ethic. Um, but because they really instilled in us a, 
um, you know, to prioritize our work ethic over our GPA or getting a certain grade, um, I think that that allowed me to not feel so much of that pressure. That makes sense. Absolutely. So, so with your pop, this is for all the dads out there. Shout out to all the dads. I'm talking to a young lady who is, has crazy integrity. I mean, you are, uh, I mean, your wisdom, like I talked about earlier, your wisdom is beyond your years. I see you as a mother. I see you as a wife. I see you as a daughter. I mean, you're just such a joy and a light to be around as a dad, from a dad's perspective, this is, this is what the dads want to know. How can we construct that? What are some of the things that your dad did? Because most of us, like I thought that I was just going to get a gun. I got a daughter. She's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, and you're absolutely beautiful, Edie. Oh, thank you. So I got to get a gun. I got to make sure that every boy knows that they ain't coming around. And then I became a dad and I was like, that's going to drive my daughter to be on the, you know, be the girl that you shouldn't be hanging out with. Right. How did you, what are some of the things that a dad can do to help to shape his daughter to obviously live her own best self? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure you have noticed this just spending a little bit of time with my dad. Um, but he is like the epitome of someone who is just so chivalrous. I mean, I can probably, I, I don't even know the last time my dad like walked in front of me, for example, my dad grew up in a very proper British household. Um, and there, I think were certain, um, you know, traits that were instilled in him when, when he grew up and those have obviously carried through now to raising children. Um, but he is extremely, extremely respectful. So watching the way that he is with our family and also the way that he respects other women, um, has made me realize that he, he just worked very hard growing up to make sure that, um, we also grew up to be very respectful people. So to go back to your question, um, a father who is very respectful of his daughter's um, emotions and feelings and, um, you know, hormone craziness and all of that is so helpful. Um, So just like holding space for her to, to become a woman and to feel everything that, you feel as a woman. Um, but also teaching her to be really aware of this is something else that my dad says all the time, but he says head on a swivel. And he started telling us that from a very young age. In other words, just be really aware of your surroundings. Be very aware of, you know, when you are walking across the street, like don't be looking down at your cell phone. If you're, um, you know, leaving a bar late at night, make sure you're with a couple other people. He would tell me that in college, for example, I'm not going to the bars these days. I don't have time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, so yeah, I think that just being, um, you know, ingraining in me to, um, to be a very respectful woman, um, and also just to hold space for me to, um, to become myself, if that makes sense. And I think the third thing too was, um, he took time to have like one-on-one. So I have a sister as well, as you know, take time to have these like one-on-one dates with us. I actually have a very vivid memory of 
him taking me, we rented bikes in San Francisco and we biked across the Golden Gate Bridge into Tiburon. And then we ended up to, it was, it was more of an adventure than I, we realized we were getting into, to be honest. And then we took the ferry back um, over to the other side of the bay. And we did this right before I left for college. And it was such a memorable, beautiful experience for the two of us to have just together. Um, so any time that we could have just the two of us to spend time together, um, I would highly recommend for any dad listening who has a daughter, make sure you do that. Um, and, you know, continue to ask your daughter how she's feeling, how she's doing. Um, just continue to have all of those open and honest conversations to build that trust. I think is super important. When was a time Edie specifically that, um, that when your dad, like your dad had to, you know, step in as kind of a protector. That's a thing that we're always super excited about sure, as dads. Sure. But tell us about a time when you were growing up that, that, that happened and you were like, that's my dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? That's a really good question. I, <laughs> what actually comes to mind is throughout high school, I was so bad at coming home on, on time, like before my curfew. I know, I know. And my dad, I will never forget. There was one night I came home like an hour and a half late. It was like past midnight. I know, I know. And he was sitting in our dining room. All of the lights were off except for one light shining above him, like straight out of a movie. And I walked to the door and I was like, oh no, I knew, I knew I was in trouble. Um, but my dad has never reprimanded us in a way that made us feel um, like really guilty. It, he more so when he would reprimand us growing up, it was more about what can my child learn from this experience? I don't want my child to feel horrible about what they did. I want them to take something from this experience, from this conversation and make a change and learn from it. And we had a very serious conversation that night um, where, you know, he stepped in as a dad and said, you need to come home before I think my curfew was like 11 or something, 1030 or something. And he said, you need to come home before then because nothing good happens on the road after I think he said 11 PM or something like that. And I was like, okay, I trust you. And, and, you know, to a degree it stuck. Um, but we needed to have that serious conversation for him to really step in and, and say, you need to be, you need to be careful and you need to do what I'm telling you to do because I have your best interests at heart. And, and that ultimately is what it came down to. I love you so much that I don't want to see you get hurt by someone else driving drunk on the road or, or whatever, whatever reason. Um, he's always approached those types of conversations from this space of, I just want the best for you. And again, it's something else that I will instill in my children growing up. I just want the best for them. That's, that's all, that's all we want. Right. So how much of an effect on you as a woman and then now as a, as a mom and as a wife did watching your dad, dote on your mom the way that he does? Oh, so much. Um, I feel incredibly, incredibly blessed, especially thinking about um, some of our other, you know, friends um, and, and family members. 
watching the way that my dad is with my mom is, it feels a little bit rare. It feels unique. It feels like I have right in front of me this just incredible example of what true love is and what true respect is. And it has so much shaped the the way that I approach my relationship with my husband. I mean, it shaped the, the way that I thought about my future husband before I even met him. You know, all of these seeds that have been planted over the last 30, 31 years <laughs> um, have absolutely shaped the way that I approach my, you know, my relationship and also just even my friendships with my friends. Like it's a two-way street. And that's what I see with my parents. They are very different people, but they complement each other. And there's something so, that synergy is so beautiful. Um, And I feel very grateful right now to be home for a couple of weeks, right before we celebrate my dad's milestone birthday, um, to see the two of them together, having been together as long as they have, and to still see them so in love. They've got it. They've got it. They've totally got it. This episode is brought to you by one of my favorite companies in the entire world, the Mina Group. As one of the top culinary experiences in the world, celebrity chef Michael Mina and his team are dedicated to giving you what you never knew you always wanted. With 30 locations throughout the world, this company is focused on the one thing that truly matters, their people, and that is why they are your world of wow. Change your life by going to michaelmina.net. So Edie, when, when people talk about wellness with Edie, they look at it and they, I mean, I think a lot of times people will tune out to certain things, right? And so like a person like yourself, we're just talking about your family. You grow up with a, a dad who loves your mom, a dad who spends time with you, dad who goes on dates. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, I'm Xing myself out because my dad didn't spend any time with me. My mom didn't. I'm dealing with all this right. adversity, all these things. But Wellness with Edie was birthed of some adversity that you had within your life. And so I want to talk about that. And I also want you to go into the fact of when you're in a situation, because some people don't understand. They're like, if I lived in the Bay Area and my parents loved each other, then everything would be perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I understand. Now, I was one of those kids because I grew up in a town called Lompoc, California, 35,000. Shout out to Lompoc, anybody out there listening that lives in (laughs) Lompoc, California. All of us thought if we could just live in X, then everything would be fine. And then we got to those places and we're like, it ain't fine. Right. So talk to us, uh, talk to us about, uh, you know, how uh, wellness with Edie was birthed and, you know, and then talk to us a little bit about the adversities that, that you did, you know, that you deal with, even though someone could see it as this perfect, you know, beaver cleaver house on the outside. Yeah. I mean, I, I just want to preface that by saying that none of us, we are not immune to adversity. I think that it's easy to go about our lives thinking, oh, I will never get into a car accident. I will never be diagnosed with cancer. I will never watch my parents go through divorce, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden something happens. All of a sudden that obstacle is in the road and it completely shifts your perspective. Hopefully for the better. Um, I'm actually reading right now a book called The Obstacle is the Way my husband bought it for me. Um, 
And it's, it is this concept that the obstacle is your opportunity to change your perspective, to change your ways in a, and it's just all about positive thinking around obstacles as opposed to like, you know, this self-deprecating, oh, why me? Why is this happening to me? It's more of a, this is happening for you. And what can you change in terms of the way that you think or act or speak to move past this obstacle? But yes, I, um, it's a very long story, so I will give you the long story short. We got time. I know. We got time, girl. That's why we have you here. (laughs) Um, so I grew up eating the standard American diet. We played sports. We ate um, some home-cooked meals. We also had takeout pizza. We ate Toll House cookies. I had a very normal relationship with food growing up, and I'm, I'm very, very thankful for that. Fast forward to college, and I went through a pretty terrible breakup. And instead of turning to a more constructive way of dealing with my feelings and emotions, I turned to food and exercise. I started under eating. I was over exercising. It was a way for me to control certain aspects of my life because I was felt so out of control in terms of how I was feeling. I was just, I was devastated. Had I gone to see a therapist or a psychiatrist, would that have changed the course of the next couple of years of my life? likely, but I'm also to a degree grateful for the way that things sort of unraveled because my experience has now shaped the work that I do. The adversity has shaped the work that I do. And for that, I'm very grateful. So I ended up, um, I got flown home. I was in college. Um, My sister came out to visit. She came out, I'm going to put her visit in air quotes. My parents actually sent her out, I think. We've actually, to this day, I don't know if we've actually discussed this, but I think that they flew her out to check in on me. And um, thankfully, she probably told them, you know, Edie's still not doing any better. So they flew me home. I was a junior in college. I came home for the weekend, and we had probably the most difficult conversations ever under our roof in terms of me not taking care of myself the way that I should have been. So the fact that I was, yes, let me ask you this. You get home. Okay. So for those of the people out there listening, you said you turned to exercise and under eating. Now you did exactly opposite. This is why I think you're so amazing because even in your adversity, you chose something that I ain't trying to exit. Like if I'm mad, I ain't trying to exercise. I'm just getting fatter. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to in and out and then I'm just chilling out and playing some PlayStation. So, right. Okay. But when you get home, set the stage for us. Is it, in the room, or are they in a circle? Are they in the living room? Are they in a we circle? We were in the kitchen. In the no, kitchen. we were in the kitchen. It was just with my parents. And what do they I, say? How do they start the conversation? Well, to preface, right before we flew home on the way to the airport, we, my sister and I, got in a car accident. Yeah. So as soon as we, as soon as we got home, my parents actually drove us to the doctor, and that was when I got weighed. And the doctor told my parents how much they weighed. 
And I think that was also the catalyst for this conversation. How much? Because do, don't get me how, how wrong. Much, how much did you weigh, and how tall are you, Edie? So to give pre- I, to give context to all this. So I was so I'm four eleven. Okay. And I weighed like eighty eight pounds or so. Wow. Yeah. And um, I don't I don't want that to be triggering for someone listening to this who is possibly dealing with body image issues or an eating disorder. But again, that was my, that was my personal experience. And for me personally, that was not a healthy weight. Mm -hmm. And that's the irony of all of this is with the, you know, with eating a certain way and exercising is I thought I was being healthy, Mm. but looking back on it, And as soon as my parents had that conversation with me and it helped me really change my perspective, I realized that my quote unquote healthy living was so detrimental. And had I continued on that path, who knows what would have happened. So let me ask you this. You you said you had a, you had a, uh, a bad breakup. Was it, was it a negative Mm -hmm. relationship? No, this was my, I thought he was going to be my high school sweetheart. And really? we did long distance in college and then I left to go study abroad and he left to go study abroad. And, okay. um, I, I turned to food and exercise again, like I said, as my coping mechanisms, So, but wh- in a really unhealthy way. Yeah. 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 So was your, was your parents really into this dude? He was cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they really liked him. Was he as handsome as your dad? No. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that, yeah. No, no, he wasn't. No. So that's probably the challenge because when you have a really handsome dad, you got like, you got a level in a bar that right. you got to listen. You know, the buck two dude ain't coming up in there and being right. like, yo, I'm going right. to talk to Edie. Cause right. if he sees, right. if he sees your pop, he's like, I'm out. Right. Like, I got to go get these well, choppers I think fixed. That's, yeah. And I think that's <laughs> why the breakup was so difficult for me is because we did have such a wonderful, loving relation. I mean, he was my first kiss. You know, it's like you, he was, he was someone so, so special to me, mm-hmm. but everything happens for a reason. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm so thankful that I felt the love that I felt in that relationship. And then I met my now husband and it's like light years beyond what I had, you know, my naive love in high school. <laughs> You know, it's like you think, you know, everything and then you age and you're like, oh, I was so young. What did I know? I didn't know anything. <laughs> so so you're you walk into the kitchen. Let's go back to the kitchen because you walk into mm-hmm. the kitchen. Your parents mm-hmm. are super loving, super positive. Like whenever I'm around your mom, yeah. like I am on fire for the rest of the day. Right. Help help set the stage. Like what? OK, are they are they behind the island and you walk in and they're like, Edie, we need to have a conversation or is it, you know, how, how's yeah. it going? Set it for us. Yeah. So my sister, I don't know where my brother was. My sister, uh, went into her room and we were sitting in the kitchen. It was in the evening and I could just tell they were so stressed and just like distraught that they didn't even really know how to even start the conversation. But I can, I I can't, I kind of blacked out to be honest, but what I can tell you is that they approach the conversation with so much love and we just want to help you and we're here to help you heal. And what, what can we do to help you heal? But they did give me an ultimatum in that they said you can, and I was, I was like, I just want to go back to school. I, 
at the time I was president of my sorority. I, I had a lot of responsibility at school. I also just, I loved, I loved my college and I was so devastated to be home. And I was also so embarrassed. I was really, really ashamed and embarrassed. And I was like, I just want to go back to school. So they said, you can go back, but you have to start taking steps in the right direction or we're going to, we're pulling this. We're going to take school away from you because you need to focus on your health and well-being. And for me, they, they lit that fire. And I'm such a, a, a go-getter type of person that all it took was that conversation for me to go back and realize, because I saw how distraught and devastated they were. And I don't ever want to disappoint my parents. Mm. And I realized in that moment that I was disappointing them. And that killed me as much as it killed them to see what was happening, what I was doing to myself vice versa, it it really killed me to see how much I was hurting them. And it was a long road. It's not like I got back to school and all of a sudden, you know, I'm eating more food and I'm exercising less. Like it took time, but that conversation was the catalyst. And that is why I'm also so thankful that growing up, they really encouraged these open and honest and transparent conversations because if they hadn't done that growing up, I might've sat there at the kitchen island and basically told them I'm fine, but I was able to tell them I'm hurting. Mm. It took me a long time to get to that point, to be able to tell them that I was hurting because I just convinced myself that a, I was fine. B what I was doing was healthy. C eventually I'd grow out of it or whatever, but we had that conversation and everything changed. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, Now's the time to do some shameless promotion. This episode is brought to you by Squeeze Dried, a delicious, no-hassle way to get superfoods, vitamins, and nutrition. SqueezeDried.com. It's also brought to you by Cardenas Law Group, a high-level boutique law firm for all your personal injury needs. That's CardenasLawGroup.com. Thank you so much again for listening. Hopefully, you're continuing to enjoy the episode. So, Edie... Do me a favor. Talk to the kid who is on the brink, right? Because mm-hmm. eating disorders come in all different shapes and sizes, you know, right. and body, right. body dysmorphia, all different shapes and sizes. It doesn't mean right. that I was joking about it. I, I want the listeners out there and I want you to know that I don't take it. I, I take it very seriously, although I deal with comedy through my life. So when mm-hmm. you were when you were saying like I needed to exercise less and eat more, I was like, you should have came to my house. You right. know what I'm saying? Like I could have <laughs> taught you. I would have been a good coach. Uh, you would have right. been hanging out doing that. But talk to the kid who's on the brink, who's who's emotional right now, and has no idea what they're doing, but they're just about to go down that road because you've been down that road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? So first, I would tell that person what you're feeling right now is okay. And I think as a society, we need to get better about not putting shame around certain feelings. So to acknowledge that you're feeling a certain way is a very important part of the healing process to acknowledge where you're at. And then I would say, 
confide in one person. Tell one person in your life. I don't care if it is your cousin or it's your roommate or it's your best friend or it's your mom or your sibling. Tell one person what you're going through. Because to be able to share is also such a crucial part of the healing process. Because when you keep all of that inside, and that's what I did for the longest time, I never shared with anyone how I was feeling, the sadness I felt from the breakup, the anxiousness I felt around food, the like compulsive desire to exercise intensely every day. I never shared that with anyone. So I convinced myself after a while that it was just normal to feel all of those things until we sat at the kitchen island and I was able to share with them. And it was like this relief just washed over me. So I would tell that person who's starting to go down this potential path of self-destruction is to share how you're feeling with someone. Ideally, it's a therapist, but I know that that, that not everyone has access to that, which is a larger issue. (laughs) (laughs) But share with someone who you trust, because hopefully that person can potentially get you the resources that you need, or at least in the very least, offer a safe space for you to express how you feel. I, like I said, I don't regret what I went through because it has given me the tools and the knowledge to help women who are currently struggling with this, ways that they can stop themselves from going any further and start to take steps in another direction. Because we have that ability every single day to alter our habits. The hardest part is to to take that action, to like take that first step in a different direction. But once you start that path and you realize Okay, that was that was scary. That, that made me very fearful. I felt that fear and I'm going to carry that fear with me, but that fear isn't going to dictate the step that I'm going to take. And as I start to take steps in the direction of where I want to be, whether that's happier, that's in a job that I'm more passionate about, whatever it is, like everything else starts to flow. As soon as I started actually taking care of my body, my friendships improved. I started sleeping better. I mean, there were so many positive, wonderful things that happened when I started choosing actual health and actual well-being. And like I said, it's really shaped, it's shaped my perspective. To this day, it has shaped my perspective when it comes to health and wellness. Another pause for station identification and shameless promotion. This episode is also brought to you by Finley Cars of Las Vegas. I tell you, the next level in the car buying experience, and not only that, but the life of your car, the service that you're going to uh, experience is incredible. It's Finley Volvo Cars. Uh, lv.com and also brought to you by uh, bling shine serum the only product on the market that will add weightless moisture strength and shine and the only uh, product that has the endorsement of my mama when i showed her all the features and benefits she smelled it and she said this is the greatest product that you've ever done and i thought mom do you not uh, look at the features and benefits she said no if it smells like that it must work and i tell you every single woman needs a little bit of bling in their life and this can be purchased at kellycardinasalon.com 
So talk to that kid who's in it right now that's like, yeah, 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 she ain't talking to me. I ain't got no problem. I just eat a little bit more than I should, and I really like whatever. Or I don't mm-hmm. eat because, you know, it doesn't really make me feel good. Or I exercise, and I, I argue this all the time. I argue this all the time with every single person that, like uh, Jen Moses, that's out there. I love you, but we will debate this for the for the rest <laughs> of time. She tells me she loves exercise. I said, no, you don't. You love the result of exercise. She said, no, I love exercise. I said, no, if you exercise and got fatter, would you like it? And she was like, well, that would never happen. I said, imagine if it did. She was like, well, it wouldn't. I said, well, imagine if it did. I said, would you like Mm -hmm. exercise? She said, no. If you ate healthy and then got bigger or got nastier or got lazier, you wouldn't like eating healthy anymore. You like the result of it. You're not, you know, and I think that most people as opposed to like, as opposed to saying like, you know, oh, I just love exercise or I I just love doing this. No, you love the benefits of that thing. Mm -hmm. And that can motivate you to do the things that ain't nobody want to get up at six o'clock in the morning and run a couple of miles. No one in the world, but there's people who want to live longer. Does that make sense? So, but talk, I, I went on a little bit of a tangent there, but talk to the kid who's in it that's saying, Edie, I understand what you're saying. I love you. I want to do mm-hmm. wealth. Uh, I want to do wellness with Edie. I want to do that, but I ain't got no problem. Can you talk to that kid? Yeah. So <laughs> I think, especially when it comes to that tangent that you just went on, we, we are so motivated by results. I mean, that's why there are so many different diets out there and none of them work at the end of the day. I mean, they, they might work temporarily, but in the long term, none of them work. And, but there are so many of them because at one point, one diet worked for one person. And then, and then all of a sudden, all of these other people hop on that train and it works for a week or two weeks or a couple months. And then they're burned out. They've either gained weight that they didn't want to, or they've lost too much weight, or they're focusing too much on the weight, or they're focusing too much on the calories, and all of a sudden, it just consumes them. So when it comes to food and exercise, I take a very practical and sustainable approach. It's not about the calories. It's not about the numbers. It's not about stepping on and off the scale. It is about how can you tap into your body and what your body is asking for so that you can then make choices that support how you're feeling internally and how you, how you want to feel too. So with the whole concept of like, okay, I don't want to get up and run two miles, but if you know that by going to bed a little bit earlier, having a nourishing dinner beforehand, setting your alarm and not hitting snooze 10 times, but actually getting out of bed, throwing on your tennis shoes and setting yourself up for success in the process. So, you know, laying out your exercise clothes the night before you go on that run and you're feeling the heart beating in your chest. You're listening to your breath. You are feeling the the sun on your skin. You're really grounding. You're really tuned. You're really coming into your body. And then you come home from that run and you're on this endorphin high and that high carries you throughout your day. You're more energized. You've better mental, mental clarity. You're, 
they're choosing more nourishing foods, like that's when I would tell people go for that run in the morning because you know, it's going to make you feel better throughout the rest of your day. But if you're getting up for that run, because some fitness person on Instagram told you that you have to go, you know, take 10,000 steps every morning before you have your breakfast. Like that's when you need to reevaluate why you are making certain choices related to your health. There, there is so much noise on social media whether you're on Instagram or you're on TikTok, that can be very, very toxic. And all of that external noise really clouds our ability to make choices that ultimately support our bio-individuality. So that's also something that I really focus on is the fact that we're all bio-individuals. Kelly, what you eat during the day, the way you move your body, what you do for work is very different than me. And that's a beautiful thing, right? Like what works for you works for you. What works for me works for me. I would no, never tell someone who has celiac disease, for example, so they're allergic to gluten. I would never tell them, oh yeah, have a, you know, have a bagel for breakfast, have a sandwich for lunch, have pasta for dinner because they're going to feel ill. So it's all about tuning in and really being mindful about what works for your body and spending time to think about choices and the, the, the actions that you're taking during the day, whether you're doing that for external validation, or if you're actually doing that because you intrinsically want to do that thing, eat the salad or have the cookie because it makes you feel good. So when you talked about eating the salad, uh, if if you ever get a chance to have your mama's salad, I know you're eating it's it so while good. you're there. Oh, it's the <laughs> best. It is crazy. She sent it down to me. She brought it down to me. Uh, she flew down and she brought it on ice and had, I mean, greatest salad of all time. That's a side note. Lulu's, so Lulu's Mexican food. If you haven't had it, it's the greatest food in the whole planet. <laughs> She'll appreciate the shout out. <laughs> Edie, what? Like if if you had thirty seconds to talk to a kid who was who was in it, who was mm-hmm. in it, and you knew they were going down the road, you only had thirty seconds with them, and they were denying that they had any challenges at all, and you could see it, you knew it. What would you say to them? In terms of they're making unhealthy choices with food and exercise. Mm-hmm. I would tell that person to envision themselves five years from now, 10 years from now. It's not about what you're going to look like five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. How do you want to feel in your body? Do you want to feel strong, energized? Do you want to wake up every day and be doing something that you're passionate about? Let that motivate the choices that you're making now. Let that motivate your present so that you're building your future, the future that you want. Because what we do today impacts our tomorrow, whether we like it or not. How how are you able to think this way when, I mean, when I say you're a young woman, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. not like you're 15, but right. I mean, you're a young woman and in your, like you, you, we said it earlier that you were in the millennial side. Most of the time we want to 
create shortcuts. We want to do this, but you keep talking about long-term. You keep talking about like, mm-hmm. oh, planting seeds and you'll get this. That's not the world that, that we live in right now. How are you able to keep that mindset in, like, how are you able to keep almost an analog, like mindset and, and movement when you're, when we're living in this digital world where everything is like, mm-hmm. you need to do it now. You need to do it now. If you do this, then you'll get this and you do this and you get this. And I watch you and I've watched you over the years. And it's like, you continue to move towards what you want to move towards and you continue to succeed at it. How are you able to do that? It, there is so much, everything is instant gratification, right? I mean, even when you go to the grocery store for a lot of people, if they had the option between choosing the sweet potato that they have to chop and oil and season and put in the oven, as opposed to the, bag of frozen french fries a lot of people are going to choose the frozen french fries and it's not about never choosing that there's absolutely a time and place like make that choice you're a busy mom you're a busy dad but i sort of liken it to laying on a raft in the ocean or maybe better yet you're you're in a canoe or a kayak and you can see the lighthouse ahead of you, but it's pretty far off. You can see it, but it's not like 10 yards away. If you can constantly be moving in the direction of that lighthouse, you're eventually going to get there. It might not be the quickest path, And you may end up like miles away from it before you end up like circumnavigating back, but eventually you'll get there. So I think what's helped me is envisioning what I want my life to look like, what I want my life to become and know that it's not going to happen overnight. You can constantly choose that bag of French fries, but is that going to get you to this place of like, nourishment that you want to be no you're going to need to choose that sweet potato and spend the time to prep that sweet potato more often than you're choosing the french fries but if you have that lighthouse you have that goal in front of you you will eventually get there but i think we also have to remember and i constantly remind myself of this too is that i tell my clients this actually all the time progress is not linear When we're trying to get to that lighthouse, we're trying to achieve that goal. It's not a straight path. I would argue like rarely is it a straight path. I'm sure you can agree in terms of your business, (laughs) right? It's like, there's so many twists and turns and so many obstacles, but if we want that one thing bad enough, we're willing to continue to move past those hurdles and those obstacles in order to get there. Anything Anything worthwhile in life takes time. It, it is not this. It's unfortunate that we live in this world that's like all about instant gratification. It's, uh, it makes it really challenging um, to be patient. But I've started to, over the last couple of years, really incorporate more of a mindfulness practice. And I know we, we hear about mindfulness a lot in the wellness world. And people are like, oh, meditation, like that's so woo-woo. I don't care if it's meditating 
or it's praying or it is having a conversation with God or you are out on a hike, wherever you can really be in your body and tune into your body and be present, that is when you can build up those stores of patience. And that's when you can build up that, you know, supply of, of time. When you can really reflect on where you want to go and just remind yourself it's going to take time, but it will be worth it. Mindfulness is just, it's been a really important part of my journey. And I encourage anyone who feels this like compulsive desire to always just choose what's easiest, tap into a mindfulness practice, meditation, spirituality, explore that and see where that leads you. So what about the person that, that is listening to you about, you know, growing up in a, a family that, that loves you, you have a dad that takes you on dates, uh, you got your mm-hmm. mama, you know, your dad is chivalrous, he's protecting you, he has the, uh, the, the, the light, <laughs> I love, right. I love that your dad did the, and he set that up, as a dad, oh, he set the sure. whole scene. Um, when you have this, and you have the, this encouragement and the, the communication and stuff, how is it that, you know, because a lot of people would be like, wow, I mean, if we had all those things, then everything's going to be exactly the way that I planned it to be. And I'm not going to run into any challenges. Talk to us about like, how, how does that happen? How does, because as a dad, again, as a dad or as a parent, we're like, oh, well, if we set up the perfect scenario, and I'm not saying you had a perfect scenario, but if we mm-hmm. set up all these things, my child is not going to go through any adversity at all. Mm-hmm. And then life happens. Right. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, I think you can only, you can only protect your kids from so much. Um, I, I think that growing up, my parents gave us the tools to enable us when we do come across these obstacles and we do have life just happen to us instead of just, you know, wallowing in our own sadness. What can you do that's, you know, what's, what can you do that's constructive or what can you, if you like look at this situation that you're in and it's so horrible and it's so devastating and all of a sudden life has just happened to you and you're like, wait a second, things were so great, so great, so great, so great. And then all of a sudden you get a diagnosis or you don't get into that college that you really wanted to get into, or you don't get the job that you really wanted. Take, take time to be frustrated, like feel that, feel sad. Like you need to feel that. And again, as I mentioned earlier, there's no shame around any of those feelings, but then what can you do to start moving in a more positive direction? And is that leaning on, people that love you? Is it listening to an uplifting podcast? Is it going for a hike? Like think about the things that make you feel good when you are feeling really low and act on those things. But I truly think the most beneficial thing out of all of that is just to confide in someone about how you're feeling. I think that's just so beneficial. So I want you to talk to your parents right now and I want you to tell them 
the freedom that they should not have given Edie because you could, because you wild out, you wild out. And, and I want to know some down home, like my parents should not have left us alone as long as they had. And especially with that moped mom and dad, because that moped that was on, on the back and we, you know, we had the keys. You should have taken the keys because I was like 13 years old. I took it out and I rode all over the place and I should not have been riding it. Didn't have a license, nothing, but I was doing it. That's the freedom that they should not have given me. Right. <laughs> what's well, the freedom? You know what? What's I the freedom actually, that they gave you that you're like, you shouldn't have done that, mom and dad? Well, I'm not going to say that they shouldn't have allowed <laughs> us to do this because I actually didn't. I actually ended up not abusing this. But throughout high school, I think this had to have been like the summer before my freshman year in high school. They told me that if I were to ever go to a party, they never told me not to drink. They never said, you're never allowed to have a beer. You're never allowed to smoke marijuana. I don't, I don't even know if they said that. I think this, this was more conversation around alcohol. Okay. But they always said, if you're going to have a beer, call me. I'll come pick you up. And so they never instilled this fear of like, I'm never allowed to have alcohol underage. And I think because they did that, what I, at least this is what I noticed actually in college, a lot of my friends whose parents told them, you can't drink, you can't do X, Y, Z in high school. They then went crazy in college. So the fact that my parents never said, I mean, I'm sure there were certain things they said you can't do. Like, like you can't, Hey, I could think of one. They said, don't come home past 11 o'clock and Edie right. continued. And you kept pushing the line. You kept pushing the line. You just said that you were an hour and a half late. That means 1230 at night when good old pop that has been loving right. you and taking you on dates had to regulate right. on you. So, right. So. right. Right. <laughs> I learned my lesson though. I pushed that limit and I learned my lesson, but this is just another piece of advice that I would give to any parent listening who has, you know, kids of any age. Um, I think that the more that you tell your child that they can't, it's like telling your child, you can never have any sugar. And then they go to a birthday party and there's cupcakes and cookies and candy. Like inevitably your child will get like ill from eating all of that stuff because it's all there for them. And it's all super tempting. Whereas if in your home life, you know, Every once in a while, we have some ice cream, we have some cake, we have, you know, these, these sweets, but they see it as a little bit more of a special occasion, then they're likely not to go overboard at that birthday party. Same thing in college. It was like these friends that weren't allowed to drink any alcohol in high school. And I'm not, I'm not endorsing <laughs> drinking in, in high school. This is just an example of when you restrict something and then you're all of a sudden exposed to it. There's a possibility that you'll go overboard because you were told no, 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 you can't have this. And then you're like all of a sudden a little kid at a candy store. So, so Edie, talk to us too, because you're probably one of the most driven people. I, I saw that right from the beginning when we got a chance to spend time in Vegas and we sat down and we talked, I mean, it was so enriching you, uh, I, again, when I talk about the wisdom, I can't emphasize it enough, but also with the wisdom, I mean, a lot of people have intellect, but they don't know how to use the intellect. You have that, you have the right use of, of the knowledge that you have, which is very, very rare. 
you're a regimented person. You're a driven person. You're a planned person. You got a lighthouse and you're on the raft and you're moving towards <laughs> one step at a time. But then marriage happens and a kid happens. Talk to us about like being an entrepreneur and being a mom and being a wife and how all the plans get straight blown up. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then you just throw in the pandemic, um, which we were on lockdown, get our baby and we were on lockdown four days later. And so there were moments where I couldn't distinguish between COVID related anxiety and postpartum depression. But to answer your question, something else my dad always says is stick with the plan but go with the flow. So when it comes to trying to quote unquote balance all of these things, I don't look at it as trying to balance them because to be honest, balance is, it is so, it's just, it's so unachievable in so many ways. Instead, I think that we can choose about three, maybe four things that we're prioritizing. So that's our family, that's our health, that's our work, and then maybe a hobby, or maybe that's, you know, friends or, or whatever it is. But prioritize those things. Don't try and balance them, because I think that that puts, like, too much pressure on us. And I have really stuck with this notion of just going with the flow of things and don't get me wrong. I certainly have my days where I will look at my to-do list at the end of the day. And I'm like, I got nothing done. What did I do? But then I flip my mindset and I realize, oh, but I just spent six hours or eight hours loving on my baby. That was time well spent. So yes, I didn't get all of these other ancillary things done, but I did spend my time wisely with someone I love time that I will regret not having spent more of it 50 years from now when I look back on my life 50 years from now am I going to think about all the time that I spent scrolling through my phone on Instagram or am I going to think about the time that I spent at the park with my son pushing him on a swing I'm going to think about that so it's, that, again, that whole notion of like thinking about the future and what are you doing right now that will make you really happy 50 years from now when you look back. And it's not about not making mistakes. Like we are going, that is inevitable. We're going to make mistakes. We are going to not prioritize the right things. We are going to miss a deadline. Like we're human. That is going to happen. And it's okay. And I often remind my clients of, of this whole notion that like, it is not about being perfect. It is not about like achieving balance in all areas of your life. It's just about doing your best, whatever that looks like and making space for those off days. Because when you wake up the next day, it's an opportunity to just do something different, shift one thing. Maybe get up a little bit earlier and knock some of those things off of your to-do list and then go spend time with your baby, for example. So, so Edie, tell us, tell us how, um, how your husband grounds you. 
how he grounds me. So we are very different people. Um, I kind of like my parents. It's a little bit of an opposites attract relationship. Um, I tend to, for example, take criticism as something I'm working on. I tend to take criticism as a personal attack when it's not, he might be telling me to put my dish in the dishwasher, for example. And I'm actively working on this, but in the past I would take that as like, Oh, he thinks I'm lazy, for example. So I was like starting to make up all of these like stories in my head. So in terms of the way that he grounds me, he really encourages me to, well, A, not take things as a personal attack if he's giving me some feedback about something, (laughs) which is very helpful, especially in my work life. Um, But he sees how hard I work on a day-to-day basis. And he is constantly telling me, especially on the weekends, like, we need to go on a family walk. You need to go sit outside and read a book. You go take a nap. He's constantly telling me to take time and space for myself, which is so, so helpful because otherwise I'm just going to bulldoze. I'm going to burn the candle at both ends until I'm like exhausted. So he tries and, and finds that like halfway point when he starts to see I'm getting irritable. I'm starting to take things as a personal attack. He knows, okay, Edie needs to go get a pedicure. Edie needs to go ride the Peloton for 20 minutes. Edie needs to, he's, and that's when it's so helpful to, to have him swoop in and be like, you need to ground yourself. If I'm feeding the, if I'm feeding Wilson, our son dinner, and he isn't liking what he's eating. He's screaming, he's cranky, he's tired, whatever it is. And Cameron, my husband starts to notice that I'm starting to reflect back to Wilson, my frustration. He will, he will come in and he'll be like, you need to go into the living room and take a couple of deep breaths, go out on the front porch, take a couple of deep breaths. I've got it. Come back inside. And that has been tremendously helpful just even as a parent co-parenting together learning you know we've we've learned a lot about each other um in the last 15 months so so when when are you gonna start listening to him then you know what i'm saying like you you say that he's swooping in like and he's he's you know you burning it on both you Mm -hmm. are just amazing at at just edie like just being edie and so from a husband standpoint i'm feeling him because and talk to the husbands out there like when you guys have something like that, we're like, we, we want to, we want you to go get a pedicure. We want you to, you mm-hmm. know, kind of chill out. And you're like, don't be telling me what to do. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't know, like, and I'm not saying it's you, but I'm saying women in general, right? There's a generalization, but we're constantly looking for solutions as dudes. Like we're, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, oh man, you know, I'm stressed out. And our solution is, well, then stop doing the thing that you're stressed out at. Like just chill right. out for a little bit. Let me, let me handle you. Let me take you in that place. When are you going to start listening to my boy and be able to not even have to go get a pedicure and just stay in that, that peaceful eating. I'm, I'm working on it, Kelly. <laughs> I um, you know, I'm actually, I, as I mentioned, I've kind of been burning the candle at both ends lately. And 
Um, Wellness with Edie has always been a side hustle for me. It's been this passion project. I love health coaching. I'm obviously so passionate about women's health and wellness, but it's always been this side hustle. I've either worked in tech or the last three and a half years I've worked in um, social media and marketing. And I have finally decided to leave that full-time job to manage one less inbox, to have that time back to put into what I'm actually passionate about. So that in itself for me is a huge step because I put a lot of identity into my career and that's probably in part my upbringing. I see how successful my parents have been and for better or for worse, I know I need to work hard and I want to work hard but it can also come at the cost of me not resting enough or taking care of myself enough. But by me leaving my full-time job to pursue this side hustle that don't get me wrong, I'm going to put a lot of time and effort into it, but it should allow for a little bit of like breathing room in terms of, you know, how busy my schedule is right now. So it's, you know, I'm I'm chipping away at it slowly, but surely. (laughs) Um, So hopefully Hopefully the next time we chat, I'll be able to tell you that I made like leaps and bounds. <laughs> well, I, I, there's a big shout. It's Carson. Am I correct? Cameron. 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 So Cameron, yeah. big shout out to Cameron. I love you, my man. And <laughs> I, I, on the podcast, a lot of times, I mean, I, I've had uh, quite a few uh, men and I've asked them about their wives. Like I've asked, you know, that there, there's this, every successful dude in the world, every successful man has, has a woman behind him. And even if he's single, he's got his mom with him or he's got his mm-hmm. hand or whatever it is. There's no way. But a lot of times we don't shout out the guys. We don't shout out mm-hmm. the husband part of it. And we don't help people to realize how important it is from a woman's perspective that we feel like a man in the family that we feel like, even though, and I know it, Edie, you're a gangster. You could do it all. You could do all these things. My wife's the exact same way, but my wife has an art form of allowing me to feel like I could beat my chest, even though she's like, you need to sit down. I will punch you in the throat. Like I will (laughs) handle this thing. I can handle six babies, uh, go, you know, doing the job, doing the stuff, but she almost allows me to be the man. I want you to look into the camera right now and I want you to tell Cameron something that he does not hear enough from Edie. Cameron, I want you to know that you are more than enough as my husband, as the father to our baby, as a friend, as a son, as a brother, as a coworker, as a leader, like you are enough. And I know you work so hard for our family and it is enough and you are enough. And I am so, so blessed and I'm so grateful for you. I want you to know that Mm. I miss you too. I haven't seen them for two weeks. (laughs) I tell you, ladies out there, if you will just say, the the other thing too, little trick, Edie, I'm going to give it to you too, little secret behind the curtain. If you just pat us on the bum, like pat us on the bum and say, wow, you got a nice bum. Every now and again, a couple times a day, I'm saying like you just 
you know, you scoop in and just get a little scoop. Just get a little scoop of booty. If you get a little scoop of booty while he's doing the dishes or while he's doing whatever, and yeah. be like, yo, that's a nice booty yeah, right yeah. there. <laughs> this will change everything. This guy will go to the ends of the earth. He will become a more successful entrepreneur. He will spend more family mm-hmm. time. He'll be a better father. I'm saying just scoop the booty a little bit. You well, know what we I'm all want to know that we're appreciated, right? It feels so good to hear that. Like you may know that intrinsically from your partner, but to just hear it at the end of the day, like, Hey, I appreciate that you spent five minutes doing the dishes. Hey, I appreciate that you started the laundry, like whatever it is, because those little things really do matter. And those little things add up and they're all a part of like our mundane day-to-day life, but that's not just like, they should still be called out. We should still be, we should still be telling our partners that we appreciate what they're doing for us, for their, for their family. Um, because it makes people happy. Like we love to hear that, you know, we did something that made someone else thankful. I'm telling you the scoop, the booty thing though, seriously. Like, I know. You got, and you got to be specific about a body part. Like ladies out there, okay. if you're listening, rub their tricep and just say, Ooh, <laughs> Just say, ooh, even, nice. even if your man has some noodle arms, never been to the gym in his life, and he's just got, like, you just go, ooh. Or you grab his forearm, <laughs> and you're like, wow. Yeah. Have you have you been working out? Like, you, you've been doing some push-ups, baby? And not in a yeah. condescending way, because I can tell you, Edie, if you raise right. your voice two octaves, I know you're lying. As a woman, women, shout out to yeah. you all. I love you all. But if you, if you raise your, and it's like this. <laughs> If I ask you to go to a party and you're like, we'll see, I know you're lying and you ain't coming to my party, right? So, (laughs) Edie, I made the podcast for my kids. Um, They're uh, 12 years old, McKenna, who is Mm -hmm. got the heart, I mean, heart and soul. She is amazing. And she's getting super sarcastic comedy, meaning she gives her dad a hard time all the time, but she is absolute joy and love. Then I got my nine-year-old who's Maddox, and he is a superhero like this kid is a gangster he lives by the beat of his own drum like the other day he he i, I told a story the other day he uh, <laughs> he woke up and the first thing he said it was like i did it and i was like i like did you have what? a dream and i was like what and he's like i woke up and I, I mean the joy of this kid at nine years old is the coolest Amazing. thing it's his last day of school today so i made okay. the podcast because i wanted to take iconic people like yourself and i wanted to humanize them i wanted my kids to see that an iconic person like Edie is not a superhero is simply a human being who has a phenomenal attitude and, and incredible work ethic what advice would you give to maddox and mckenna if you could look into the screen and use both of their names maddox and mckenna Maddox and McKenna, first of all, I hope to meet you one day because your dad is a phenomenal, inspirational, and incredible person. And I haven't met your mom yet, but I hope to meet her too. And I've heard nothing but just wonderful things about her. But your parents are also human and they will go to the end of the earth for you but that doesn't mean that they might make some mistakes along the way. They might misunderstand you sometimes, but that does not discount how much they love you and how much they want to see you succeed and how much that they believe that the world is your oyster and you can be whoever you want to be and you can achieve any goals that you set forth for yourself. 
but ultimately don't forget that they love you so much. So Edie, I can't, I can't end the show without it. I want you to look in the screen. I want you to talk to both of your parents and I want you to tell them something that again, they don't hear enough from you. Mom and dad. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity and the space to follow my dreams and to inspire me every single day to pursue what I'm passionate about and to love me on such a deep level that I have never once questioned whether or not you love me. I can't imagine life without you. And I love you so much. Edie, you are incredible. You are incredible. Shout, shout out real quick to my wife because my wife does scoop my booty. And she tells me I got a round bum. That's what she tells me. And, I need to start scooping the booty. Hey, you got you. You have to scoop the booty. If I know. You, if you, and, but you got you can't do it like Kelly told me to scoop the booty, so I'm gonna scoop. The, you gotta like you gotta grip it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like you gotta okay. get it and you gotta okay. grip it, and it's gotta be it. Like you know, getting into he's getting into the fridge. He's about to get a drink, and you just scoop the uh, booty, and yeah. you're like, okay. Okay. whoa, like okay. yes, okay. Well. and you just gotta whoa, yes. Now. My wife does it because we we do a thing around the family with the uh, with dinner, and so we we have dinner and then we say we go around the uh, the family and we say talk about um, McKenna. Let's all say something that we love about McKenna, and then everyone goes around and says what they love about McKenna. It has to be specific. And my wife every time makes my kids like mom because she's like you know she'll say something about me and then she'll like and he's got a nice bum. And so yeah. <laughs> the kids will be like, not again, mom. Not like, again. <laughs> <laughs> so scoop the booty and talk okay. about it. like you can rub the tricep, but I'm telling you the booty. I'm shout out to Brooklyn. Cause you have, you, you've taken it to an, she's taken it to another level. Um, well, you, I think it just, you know, it's along the lines of seeing your parents have that, physical interaction and that, that physical chemistry, whether it's, you know, I, you know, my parents hold hands, they kiss each other in front of us. They'll pretty much every Christmas, I can guarantee if you walk out at 8 39 PM, the lights on the Christmas tree are on, the music is playing. They'll be slow dancing in our living room. And it's the most beautiful, heartwarming display of their love for each other. So I think the more that you can scoop the booty or <laughs> give a kiss on the cheek or whatever it is, and your kids see that, yeah, they might be like, ew, gross, cooties, whatever they're going to say. You're planting that seed now so that they know later on in life, like, I need to find someone who isn't afraid to scoop my booty, to kiss my cheek, to slow dance with me in the living room when no one else is around. It's just a really important part of building a relationship with someone. Well, I, I, I want to thank you so much. I want to thank you for your time. You have been, I mean, you exceeded expectation, Edie. Every oh, time you, that I get to a chance to be able to spend time with you, you, you enrich, um, you know, you, you enrich 
my my mindset, my my perspective, and I get to see things from a different uh, place. I mean, hearing you talk about the long game, like uh, you know, seeing something far off and working towards it, it's so encouraging because in a world where everyone wants something now, 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 it helped me to realize that you know when we settle in and we realize that what we ultimately want, and then we put things in place that will build that up. It won't be a surprise, like. It's not a surprise that you're doing great things, Edie, because you've been doing the little things along the way. Any, Thank you. Any person out there, I was telling you before, you're going to want to consume this young lady, whatever she puts out, like whatever she has out there, any product that she has, you're going to want to consume it. Right now, it's wellnesswithedie.com, at wellnesswithedie. Um, you're going to be able to find her. Um, check her out. She is incredible. And I mean... I'm blown away by the time, the wisdom, the intellect, um, and the heart and soul. And it has just been an absolute pleasure. So now's the time where every single one of you, I want to thank you all for listening to the podcast. Um, Click the links, check out the sponsors, do the things that you know you need to do, and also scoop the booty. Make sure that you do that as much as possible. But Edie, I want to thank you again for being on the show. You have been absolutely phenomenal. Thank you, Kelly. You are officially off the hot seat.